Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Markitect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, we're going to sit with two go-to-market experts to better understand what separates winning companies from less successful ones. And to be frank, you know, creating a product is easy, but building a great company culture, having the discipline to take a product to market, it's vastly more challenging. The key, at least for me, to successfully conquering that challenge, go to market. More precisely, a high-performing go-to-market team and a disciplined process Uh, And this is covered in Sangram's latest book, Move, which is an absolute brilliant book and a must read. And I guess this is a good segue to introduce Sangram from co-founder, Terminus, chief evangelist, founder of the Peak Community. I don't know what else you're doing and I don't know how you're applying (laughs) for all this. Um, My co-host for the day, Jake, co-founder of Launch Notes, formerly from Atlassian, and the legendary Megan Eisenberg from Trip Actions. And I say legendary, you know, typically you associate legendary with much older folks, but of course, of course she's not. Of course she's not. She's just, she's done a lot in, in such a short period of time. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that the three of you are joining us today um, at The Marketech. Welcome. Excited to be here with all of you. And what's interesting about when you say like, when you say legendary and when you say like, yeah, what else have you done? It's crazy that we all are busy and the, the goal really is to figure out, okay, what is the one or two things we are good at? Because we have obviously tried a whole lot of different things. So that's really what lets us get where we are right now. Yeah. And, and focus. I mean, that's part of the uh, the the magic of go-to-market is getting that focus. And we're going to get to that in a second. But before we dive in, indulge me for a moment. Two fill in the blanks. We'll start with you, Megan. I am in marketing because... Yeah, I'm in marketing uh, because uh, it's never the same. It's uh, I'm forever challenged. It's fast paced. There's, you know, the environment's always changing. The competitors are changing. The technology we can use is changing. You know, it's a mix of emotional and science. And I think you can never master it because there's so many elements out of your control that you have to interact with. Brilliant. Megan likes change and and she's a master of dealing with it. Love it. Sangram, I am in marketing because... I'm going to slightly change that uh, that, that question where it says, I'm in B2B marketing because, just to, to be in contextual to this part, is because for the most part, B2B has been boring to boring. Uh, every single company just tries to do boring to boring. And I think it's an opportunity for every one of us listening to this and the conversations like, it doesn't have to be. Like nobody said it has to be. No book is written on becoming it boring to boring. So let's just make it fun, interesting, entertaining, educating, whatever else, but B2B equals boring to boring. So I'm on a, on a mission to change that. And that's, that's Love where, it. where my heart is. Love it. B to B does not equal boring to boring. I oh, love it. Um, Jake. Yes. Adla- you've had a <clears throat> wonderful marketing career, including a stop at Atlassian. And now you are helping us uh, marketers, product marketers with your wonderful launch note solution. But why are you in marketing? I'm in marketing because... I'm going to follow Sangram's lead and, and change this a little bit and say I'm in product marketing since that's kind of where my heart is and where I spent most of my career. Um, I'm in product marketing because it sits right at the heart, I feel like, of everything. 
within an organization. I think most people have seen that Venn diagram that of, of all the supporting teams and then sort of product marketing in the middle. And that of course comes with challenges, but I think it also comes with massive opportunities um, to, be, to be in the center of it all. There's never a dull moment. You get to partner with and help enable a lot of teams be great. Um, we'll still sort of perfecting your craft and honing your craft. And so I've always enjoyed that about product marketing. No two days are, are the same. And to Megan's earlier point too, everything is, you know, the tools and technologies we also have, I feel like are, are vastly improving um, very, very quickly. So it's, it's, uh, there's never a dull moment and it's been uh, yeah, a wonderful place to grow a, grow a career. Love it. Love hearing from my father. And I love that you honed in on why you're in product marketing specifically. Love yeah. the passion for the discipline. Okay. Last one, Megan. My definition of leadership is? Yeah, my definition of leadership is developing and driving others um, to a common goal. And I, I have to make one comment on the heart of marketing. I would have put product marketing as the cerebral tin man, and I would have put brand and, and corporate Ooh. marketing as the lion and the heart. And I would have- I like. <laughs> oh, wow. I can see the- I've never heard that. That's I love pretty that. cool. Product, yes, I love that. I, what I took from that is product marketing for the win. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, and, and thank you for sharing your definition of leadership. Sangram, uh, you're a phenomenal leader and uh, you give your time to so many up and coming emerging CMOs through Peak Community. Your definition of leadership is- well, I've said this several times before. Uh, I think it's it's about being intentional uh, because I've learned this the hard way. Being intentional is way more important than being brilliant. And I used to think, I need to be brilliant. I need to go with the best idea. Like, you know, who has the best idea wins? And I've learned the hard way. No, no, no. It doesn't really matter how everybody has brilliant ideas. Like, let's just, let's just be honest about that. It's about being intentional about it. What you talked about, Ron, earlier, being focused and going at it and making the best out of it. It, it really changes uh, what you really want to do in life. Whew. I think my wife would agree with you because my wife is the leader of this household and she is very intentional with what she tells me to do on a daily basis. So yeah. I think she's very aligned. With, I'm pretty uh, sure you fail at it, but you still continue <laughs> to keep up with it. <laughs> I strive, Sangram. I strive every day. Um, I'm with you. Jake, my definition of leadership is? Uh, my definition of leadership is, is uh, being a servant. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of servant leadership. Uh, okay. I learned that uh, working under Robert Chutwani, who I know you've had on this podcast um, at, at Atlassian, but coming in every day and, and not thinking, what is, what is my team here to, to do for me or to help me do, but what am I here to, to help them do? Uh, and if you, I think, approach, approach leadership with that perspective, um, you empower the entire organization and everyone underneath you uh, to do the best work of their life and feel empowered to be great and in turn make, make your company and the team and the work they're doing great. So, um, oh, yeah. Love it. I, I love it. Uh, serving leadership, it, it's needed more so today than ever, considering what we've just gone through over the past uh, two years. Okay, let's get to it. Sangram, ready? I'm going to throw the first question your way. <laughs> Go for it. Just level set. What is go-to-market? Right. One word answer. And this is because of the conversation I had with Brian Halligan, who was at that time the CEO of HubSpot and you know taking the company public and all the way. And I asked that exact same question to, to him as part of the research for the book. And he said, you got to think about go-to-market as a product. That was his answer. And I'm like, well, give me more. Well, what do you mean? He's like, look, you know, go-to-market is not something that you go over the weekend with your, you know, with your team and come up with a, a charter for it. That, that's your strategy. That's your corporate strategy. You got to do that. It makes sense. 
go-to-market is an iterative process. You mm-hmm. have to change things. You have to start making decisions almost on a daily basis. If you really think about it from, oh, are you going to, are you going to hire another salesperson? Or are you going to put money in marketing? Are you going to go after an agency program that adds more people and certification and that kind of stuff? Or are you going to open a market in EMEA and actually go after that growth play? Are you going to do partnerships? Are you going to buy a product or acquire a company? These are all go-to-market challenges. Over the years, the biggest and, and unfortunate thing has happened is people have put go-to-market in a box, meaning either they would use it for product launches, and that's a go-to-market to launch a product, or it's a sales motion, so it's only talked about in the sales thing, or it's, it's, so it's one, it's siloed in many ways. But if you think about it like a product, it means your marketing sales customer success truly have to align on where we need to go. So one word answer, which is product. Product. Think of go to market as your product. I love it. Megan, anything yeah, to I mean, add? I, I would take it a different way. I would say it's an alignment of sales and marketing to drive awareness and uh, to take market share. So that, mm. you know, whether it's a, a product or a product launch, but you're, that's the alignment and it's the motion you're going to take and what you need to do, what segments you're going after and how you align to go after that. Megan, I've got a question for you. We'll stick with you here. Um, you've obviously had a very storied career in, of your own in, in marketing. I'm curious to get your thoughts on why you, why you believe go-to-market go is so hard for so many companies. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's the market is vast. If you, most companies are going after a large market and they need to figure out what their strategy is going to be to do that. And there's a lot of moving parts. You know, it, it wouldn't be, I guess, prudent to say I'm going to do self-serve, SMB, commercial, mid-market, enterprise, strategic all at once. Mm. And so uh, some of that is being purposeful on where you're going to focus the go-to-market teams. Are you going after enterprise? How are you differentiating and positioning yourself will matter. And then what do you need to build to take that particular part of the market? And then as you um, grow and scale, can you extend that down or up depending where you start? And so I think it's difficult because you'll get different types of customers and you have to make the right choice for, as you said, saying or limited resources. Do we hire more in sales? Do we do more marketing? Do we add SDRs? Do we build different product? Do we acquire a company? And so there's all these decisions and you can't do all of them. So can you prioritize uh, and then get go to market to align around what you, the leadership team has prioritized? Yeah. And I'll just add to that. I think when, when I started to write the book um, two years ago, I thought I understood go to market, uh, at least in my head, I thought I knew I understood. And then I became a student of it and realized I really didn't know much until I interviewed Jeffrey Morris and Brian and Megan um, and many other folks to just recognize and learn it. And one of the most surprising thing, Jake, uh, we we, uh, we learned in the research was who owns go to market, which crystallized the other part of is like, why is it hard? In almost all interviews we did across the board, um, when you ask typically, if you're talking to CMOs, they would say, oh yeah, I think uh, I think I own it. Or maybe the CRO owns it. You talk to the CRO, CRO will say, I think, I think the CEO owns this. If you talk to certain uh, another COO, it's saying like, I own it. Like I have all, I'm the president, I'm the CEO, all of the revenue teams reporting to me, so I own it. And what's interesting is that every time Every time I interviewed a CEO, Nick Meta, Brian Halligan, Scott Boyd, every single CEO, every none of them, none of them said anything else but like, oh, I own it. Like they didn't even blink. And I'm like, hey, just so you know, I just talked to your CMO and they don't think you own it. Right. They're like, what? But he's like, <laughs> I own it. And 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 that's when I think when Brian said, hey, you know, it, it's like a product, is because 
the purview that a CEO typically gets into all of these decisions that it's hard to make when you're in a silo business function, it's, right. it literally comes down to the CEO making those trade-offs and having that, that decision-making capacity to it. But the CEOs who don't assume that ownership makes it extremely hard because then they're just saying, all right, now I think sales should just figure it out. But sales can figure out where the money is if they're going to go in marketing or not on their own. You need to, to drive that conversation. You don't, you don't need to necessarily make all the decision, but you have to drive that conversation. And I think that's where it becomes exceedingly hard for companies when the ownership is not clear. And so, Sangram, if the CEO is owning, he, she is accountable for the go-to-market, what's the role of the various other functions on the revenue team, sales, marketing? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, 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 we put a chart in the book on, on this one. I think, I think we, and we were like, we did an advisory on this thing, meaning saying that, look, if your VC is running your go-to-market, you got problems. You should not let your VC run your go-to-market and tell what you do. They need to be more on the advisory and center of excellence kind of role. Um, your CML, for the most part, I think we in marketing, we are strategic thinkers at the end of the day. We are planners. We think ahead on things because we don't have the number right on our head as a, as a quota carrying salesperson does. So because of that, it gives us the ability to really step into a CEO role, which is why I, uh, another thing I think can talk about is that more CMOs are becoming CEOs for that exact reason, because they understand and are closer to the customer and they're strategic in thinking. The CMOs are the galvanizers. Like we all should think about in the market, your, your job is to galvanize the point of view, you galvanize the story, the galvanize the internal marketing, the internal and external uh, outcome that come out of it. And the sales leaders, now they are for the most, or the CRO, as we did the research, they're more of the orchestrator. They're like, all right, I need to get my sales team to work like this. I need my customer success team to do this. I need my marketing help to do this. So they're orchestrating all these plays all day long to figure out what works, how my enterprise team is going to do versus my SMB team or my PLG. All, they, they become more on the orchestrator side. But I think every marketer has such an incredible opportunity to jump in and ask those questions because they're strategic thinkers. Uh Let's talk about, so sales makes sense, marketing makes sense. Let's talk about RevOps for a moment. It's such a growing function. Um, I think it's it's at that moment of time that customer success was in back in the day and then Nick yeah. Mecca helped expand and, and blow that, that function up. RevOps has its own force to wave now. It just came out actually. And so Clary, People.ai, Outreach, Gong, they're all on this wave. Why do you believe RevOps is going to be mission critical also to creating effective go-to-market process. Yeah, Megan, love to, for you to jump in on it. And I, I can share because you know a lot of the story of Terminus when we hired the first RevOps person and it changed the way we actually ran the business. Ah, all right. Well, I mean, I, I think all of it comes down to aligning on what the, you know, you've, you've got your go-to-market strategy from the leadership team with the CEO making the ultimate decision. And now you need to go execute and you need to measure your success against what plays you're doing and how you're, you know, the orchestration, the edu you know, execution and RevOps is, is keeping you on track. It's, it's how, you know, it's looking at the funnel and the efficiencies. It's looking at, the density and where you're putting your teams and their success and, and how you're working against your targets. And so um, I think, you know, bringing those together, it's, you know, what were your goals that you set and how are you executing against those goals? And if you're not, what are you bringing? Is it, you know, what's the 
people you need, what's the technology you need, and what's the um, process and, and measuring that. And you know, and I, I think I've, I've said this once and then I got quoted and put out there everywhere. So now I have to own it. Uh, so I've said this, that RevOps is the second most important job in the company, uh, precisely for a lot of what Megan is trying to, to say. And so now it's like, it's, I think somebody just put in a mini billboard somewhere like, okay, so I have to really own this stuff now. But the reason I said that was because two years, two and a half years ago, I'll just tell a quick story at Terminus. Uh, we hired Mallory Lee who runs our RevOps. And she literally runs our every single executive meetings first 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. what she does is and she reports directly into the president. And what she does is specifically, she has a go-to-market dashboard, uh, which is in the book. And you know, people can download from themovebook.com as well. And, and it's, it's literally marketing, sales, customer success, product usage, all across the board. It's a go-to-market dashboard. She runs it. So I saw a big shift, you know, being a founder for seven years, like I think I've seen almost all the different levels of what companies goes up and down in the early days. And I've seen a big shift in our business leaders where every single person I felt came to that meeting in the previous time as, hey, I'm a marketing leader, I'm a sales leader, I'm a CS leader, and I'm going to try to defend my number or I'm going to share what my priorities are. It shifted immediately. Where as soon as Mallory started to take over, initially there was a little bit of resistance, but later on it shifted almost over a month's time where every person came to that meeting as a business leader, specialized in their own field. So when Mallory presented, we got this problem, the marketing didn't go, oh, we got a we got an inbound because this is a market. No, no, nobody said that. They said, oh, how do we address that issue? And I think that level of clarity and alignment that Megan was talking about, it's really hard to have when you're reporting on your own numbers and your own uh, Excel spreadsheets, because I know for a fact, I'm, uh, like you can make those numbers look any way you want once you have your hand in it. But when you have RevOps running it, it changes the equation. And that person can answer the most proverbial question that has ever been asked in the world of SaaS. Like if I give you a dollar more, where to put it? Well, you asked that to Megan and I, and you know, we're marketing in, we'll say, oh, we need to hire more marketing people or we need to add more content and stuff. You are to a salesperson, they're going to talk about that. You ask that to a RevOps person. That person is going to give you a real answer. Oh, you know what? Maybe you should put that in enablement because it seems like that ratio is not working. So those are the only people who, at least to my knowledge, can truly understand the business, understand the data, if you have the right people in it, and answer that question more effectively than anybody business le- any business leader at that point. Fascinating. I know we're, we're, uh, we've only got about five minutes left here. I want, want to switch gears a little bit, uh, Megan, and throw the ball back to you. Uh, in addition to being the CMO at Trip Actions, of course, uh, I know you, you advise a lot of successful companies. And assuming there's no one-size-fits-all, uh, as we've sort of been talking about this entire conversation, curious how you, uh, how you advise successful organizations that you work with to kind of approach building their go-to-market function. Yeah, I mean, I, I really start out by asking a lot of questions. And uh, because you're right, every stage is slightly different and they face different challenges. And it's a mix of you know having the right people, targeting the right segment for the right stage. But usually I can ask about 10 questions and hone in really quickly on what I think the issue is. And I, I ask questions about team structure. Um, how many are in sales? What are they focused on? Who's the ICP that they're trying, the ideal customer profile they're trying to sell to? What does the marketing organization look like? What's the biggest thing that the head of sales complains about? Is it you know customers? Is it leads? Is it content? And 
who are their customers, who will advocate for them. And I can really quickly figure out what I would do, at least as an executive, uh, whether anywhere in the go-to-market function, I can start to hone in. I'll look at their website and get a sense of what they're doing on the website. And, and usually just talking to the CEO and asking those questions, um, I can come back with suggestions. Every business is different, but um, there's some things that come out of that line of questioning that give me a sense of what they're missing. Sometimes it becomes obvious they don't have product marketing or they don't have corporate marketing or they don't have demand gen or they don't understand the product or they don't even understand their ICP or you know, sales and marketing aren't aligned. They're doing different things or, you know, marketing, depending on the size is 5% of the organization and they only have it 2% of the organization or what, you know, they're, they're starving uh, a major function or marketing doesn't have a seat at the table. Marketing reports into sales, which, you know, (laughs) I think that that's, you know, causes different things to happen in the organization in a short-term fashion. And so, yeah, there's a set of interviewing and questioning that I can kind of hone in on it. And Sangram, just staying with what Megan just shared, so different companies, different maturity stages, uh, what are the metrics that you would advise these various companies at these various maturity stages to utilize to, to measure success? Oh, man. So I'll just give, uh, actually have it in front of us. I'm going to just read it off. Um, so thanks for <laughs> lining up that one because I, I actually was working on it with the company yesterday. And it literally is, these are the five metrics, really. One is uh, one is your ARR, right? Your, your path so that you can figure out how you land grab. People understand that much, which is really, if you can create a great product, but you can market or sell, like that's that's what you're really honing on. Second is GRR. Come, this is where companies are, they make or they break, which is you can't, you, you sell it, but you can't either deliver or renew, right? That's your path to create predictable growth. The third one is NRR, which is, you got you renewed it, but you can't really expand it beyond the the one product or one time sell that you have done. That's your path to exponential growth. Like the best companies right now, if you look at it from VC valuation, everything perspective, that's where the NRR, and that's why all the fuss about NRR. You could do a search and you will see all all of that. And then the obviously the ACV one, which we had to to struggle with in the early days, which is creating even a bigger. Uh, deals and a longer contract value so that you can have a little bit more predictable growth and, a, and not worried about it month to month. And those are like the four. The fifth one that I highly recommend tracking, um, just for the sake of tracking, not trying to create that if that's not yours, which is the idea of category leadership, not necessarily category building, but category leadership. Because there are a lot of companies who talk about it and think about it right now, but there are only a few that can actually build a category or be a, you know, a leader in a category. But there's a lot of opportunity for companies saying, okay, if the category exists, don't go and build another category. Just figure out a way to get there faster and be in the top two and, and, and try to, there's more opportunity to do that, less headache and less issue than actually building in a brand new category. So to me, to wrap it up, it's ARR, GRR, NRR, ACV, and then how do you build category or, and more importantly, how do you do category leadership through community or analyst or uh, the key investments or market assessment? Like I think understanding that where you line up in that category is super important to win it. Lovely. So five metrics to measure success. So now a company understands, you know, where they are in the maturity journey. They understand that the CEO owns go-to-market with, of course, sales, marketing, CS, RevOps. They're, they're playing crucial roles. Can you give us a simple framework that these folks can utilize to bring it all together, bring their go-to-market strategy together, and then, you know, with time, iterate? 
because go to market is not a one and done. It's a, it's a process. It's not one and done, man. That's what's one of my greatest learnings is so iterative in nature, probably more than what one would imagine. Uh, but the framework we explain in the book, we call it the MOVE framework, which literally stands for market operations, velocity, and expansion. And Megan alluded to, to that, right? Like, you know, asking the questions that Megan just said in many ways could could hopefully could be comprised in these four um, saying, oh, well, who do, you, who do you market to? And that changes based on one product to multiple product to multiple verticals. So the questions remain the same, but based on the stage of the business, your answer might be different. Uh, operations is about how do you operate effectively? That's again, you know, maybe initially you have finance team running your operations, but as you grow and you become a platform market fit, you will need rev ops. Like that's, that's on your journey. Velocity is all the ramps. Like how do I scale my company fast? If that's the question you need to figure out what the ramps look like. And the last one is expansion, which really Scott Dorsey helped us who was the CEO of exact target to come up with that because he said the thing that kept him up at night more than anything else was he did not know, or he was trying to figure out more importantly, where are we going to grow the most? Is it locally? Is it globally? Is it on product or is it on platform? Is it through ecosystem? Is it going upsell? Is it going bigger markets or enterprise? Is it going SMB? Like that's the part where expansion comes in. So really the four questions, who should you market to? Um, how should you uh, operate effectively? When can you scale the velocity part? And then where you can grow, which is your expansion. So MOVE. And t- taking the, the MOVE, uh, and sort of uh, and running with it here for lack of a uh, lack of a better <laughs> uh, lack of a better pun, um, Megan. If, as we look at this through the CMO lens, sort of, can you offer your thoughts on how fellow CMOs and marketing teams can understand their specific role in that moving? Yeah, I mean, I think your your role is to align with sales. I've always felt that they're an internal customer, uh, but you also need to align with product, and it. It took me to do my, you know, my first uh, CMO job at MongoDB. I did a really good job aligning with sales, but I, I didn't do a uh, well enough job aligning with product. And there was a lot of lessons in that and, and understanding the importance of that. And then a lot of communication, there's always, you know, there's always challenges and issues. And I, I think part of the success is addressing, you know, highlighting the challenges and issues and addressing them. And so as you're communicating and working with your, your different partners in product and, and sales is being very clear and it's not personal. It's let's get them up there and we're facing the same direction, trying to solve it. And, and each team is going to have challenges they have to go address with their teams. And so I think that's part of moving faster is that alignment and, and the leadership and knowing you always have problems, but you need to go address them and support your fellow executives and what they need to do to address it. Let's move to our lightning round. Due to a lack of time here, we have so many more questions to ask, but let's move to a lightning round. Jake, why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, first question, what, what do you wish product marketing teams would stop doing in 2022? Well, if I asked my team, they would say webinars. <laughs> They're tired <laughs> of doing webinars and I don't blame them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be my, my yeah. uh, quick answer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, not, and not, not too much fluff content. Um, like really, they, they don't need to try to be a thought leader in the space. They really, you know, if you ask the question, like what they should really be doing is like, if somebody's coming to the website, they need to know how your product works and they need to know how exactly it solves the problem. They don't need thought over thought leadership. That's for all the podcast and thought like that. Let's leave that to marketing. You need to be like expert at how it's done. Lovely. Somewhat similar. I, you know, how can product marketers be perceived as 
architects of growth. You know, we call those people market techs here in the product marketing community. So how can product marketers, at whether at Trip Actions, whether at Terminus, how can they be perceived as architects of growth for their company in 2022? Uh, Sangreen, we'll start with you. All right. Um, I think I learned this. I did not have a high degree of love being candid around product marketing until I joined Salesforce. And I learned that Salesforce, Salesforce is run by product marketing. It was fascinating to watch that. Like every single cloud sales cloud was run by head of product marketing. And then I'm like, I learned product marketing at Salesforce and fell in love. Like, oh my gosh, I was not working with the, like I understand now what product marketing is and the value that they bring, which is, uh, which is why I think the best thing they could do is connecting. It's the, it's the hardest thing to do, but in many ways, connecting the problem that the customer is facing and creating those use cases. The use case is what is what really everybody needs. The salesperson needs to talk about and be able to do it. Not, I think if product marketing do more on the use cases, the better it will be. It's not case studies, but actual use cases. Here are the three things they do that, that gets them promoted. Like, come up with that. Like, is that what really is important for that product to be sticky? Use cases. Love, Love it. Love it. Megan. I think the most important thing is connecting to revenue and sales and SDR mm. productivity. And if I was in product marketing, I'd want to show a chart that showed how I delivered better productivity against the, the reps and sales team, because I'm enabling them correctly. I'm launching products correctly and they're not taking as long to close deals. I've taken away all the hurdles that are in front of them and I've taught them exactly what is necessary to take a market and to do it fast. Brilliant. Well, listen, I am so, so grateful that the three of you lent your time to the product marketing community. Our knowledge of go-to-market is that much better because of it. Uh, thank you for everything that you do for product marketers and the marketing function in general, the go-to-market uh, product in general as well. So Sangram, Megan, Jake, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much. And uh, yes. and again, if anybody wants a copy of the book, they can just DM me on LinkedIn. I'll just shoot them a copy. And Megan is quoted in the book. So you will actually get to hear from Megan in that too. Fantastic. Thanks Have for a hosting. Have a good one, folks. Thank you. Thank you for having me.